it's time for business news. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. This one comes from Wired Magazine from wired.co.uk. The perfect number of hours to work every day, five. Research shows that five work hours a day can improve productivity and bolster well-being. There's only one thing holding companies back. It's going to go down right here. When Liverpool marketing agency agent was asked by the BBC to test a Nordic style six hour working day for a TV program, it jumped at the chance. Inspired by reports of six hour days in Swedish care homes in 2016, the hope was reduced working hours would lead to new ways of looking after staff well-being. But the results of the month long trial, which took place during the same year, were mixed. Lots of really good things happened says agent CEO Paul Corcoran. We looked at tasks in terms of time and said, we need 15 minutes to do that, half an hour to do that, and really focused on delivering in that way. People were missing the worst of the traffic because they were coming in at nine instead of 8.30, and they were finishing early, so they had the flexibility to do things like pick the kids up, unquote. But the downside quickly became evident when staff started focusing too much on how they could condense their work into smaller and smaller time slots. The idea was to give people more freedom, but we were finding we were going, oh, fuck, we need to get everything done in those hours. So it became more stressful, Corcoran says. In the end, the business settled on a model where everyone works two short days and three long ones. Bear in mind, the F word shows up in a UK publication. You don't get bad words in the United States publications. You won't see bloody, though. They don't put that in there. That's that's a bad word. That's right. That is a bad word in British, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As employers grapple with how to manage the return to the workplace in the wake of COVID-19, the concept of compressed working is making a comeback. Left of center politicians continue to make the case for four-day work weeks, science-backed. They are often forgetting evidence that shows five-hour work days may be the better option. Quote, research indicates that five hours is about the maximum that most of us can concentrate hard on something. Unquote, says Alex Pang, founder of Silicon Valley Consultancy Strategy and Rest, and author of several books examining the links between shorter work hours and productivity. There are periods when you can push past that, but the reality is that most of us have about that good work time in us every day. Mm-hmm. Thoughts before I go on? Well, I will say right off the bat that I totally agree with this. In my prior position, I advocated big time for trying to find a way to be more creative and not allowing burnout because I got burned out. Many people I worked with got burned out. And what's what's going on as more and more people enter the workforce and more and more people are, are going to the workforce that isn't physical labor. What's happening is it's getting more and more competitive and the only way to beat the, the guy or girl next to you is to work longer, harder hours and to never shut off. And so you're turning people into these drones and their families are missing them and you're burning out. And I will tell you the quality of my work suffered because I couldn't keep it all straight. Mm. Now I work. I wouldn't say a five hour work week, but it feels like it compared a five hour day, but it feels like it compared to my previous life. And I am smoking. I feel efficient. I'm positive. The people I talk to can tell that I'm positive. I have high energy. Previous position, I was down and run down. And, and 
I've noticed a lot of people would start to say, are you okay? God, I, I feel bad for, I, I feel bad for Leon. He's just, he's wiped out, you know, he's, you know, and, and that you never want to come off like that. And uh, so I think there's something to it. Is it five hours? I don't know, but I will tell you, it's definitely th- this trend of these 50 and 60 hour work weeks. I don't care if you're taking orders, you're typing code, you're, you're, picking strawberries, you're a CEO, it doesn't matter. It's too much. You know, you have to live too. And uh, you have to have that downtime. So that's my two cents. Well, I agree. I agree. I think it's important to have something outside of work. If all you have is work, then one day work will cease to be everything. And then you're left with nothing. So it's good to spread yourself out. You want to have a diversified investment portfolio. You should probably have a diversified life. So the idea of a eight hour or 40 hour work week, while nice salaried employees rarely do 40 hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, The article goes on to say the eight hour working day is relatively new concept, widely accepted to have been cemented by Ford Motor Company a century ago as a means of keeping production going 24 hours a day without putting undue demands on individual members of staff. Ford's experiment led to an increase in overall productivity, but proponents of five-hour days, including Californian e-commerce business Tower Paddleboards, hashtag awesome, and German (laughs) digital (laughs) consultancy Renguns, say they experienced a similar phenomenon when they moved to compressed hour models. Uh, startled by the results when the business adopted a five-hour working day in 2015, staff worked from eight to one with no breaks. And because employees became so focused on maximizing output in order to have the afternoons to themselves, turnover increased by 50%. Danny, let me ask you a question. You and I have had office jobs. Office jobs, salary office jobs, especially the ones where you either... Uh, where your workload doesn't change depending on, you know, it's, it's not one where you clock punch and the job is there. When you clock punch out, the job's gone. You wipe your feet. The job is always there, which means when you take a vacation, the old added adage is that uh, no, no vacation goes unpunished. So what do you end up doing? You end up cramming and kicking ass the week prior and kick an ass as soon as you run back in the door. Um, and, and all that work still got done. Nothing went away. The work still piled up as it always does. It's you got it done, but you weren't there for a week or two in the middle of it. How is that possible? Because you crammed it. So it's, it's the phenomenon's always been there. We've always had to deal with it. We've always realized you can get what you need to get done if you cram it in there. Uh, but what you end up, you, everyone knows the people that are going on vacation because they always cancel meetings. <laughs> they always have a lot of stuff going on and they, uh, and you use, they leave you alone when you come back. Like, Hey, Hey, I know you're just back in the office. I just have two quick things to talk about. And that's it. So all that other BS, the normal drogue BS that drags everything on is gone. So I think everyone's experienced this. We just haven't openly admitted that. Yeah, working less hours is possible and still efficient. I agree with you 100%. Um, the challenge that you run into, even in an executive environment, um, think about the hourly jobs that we did in our 20s. 
So a home improvement warehouse, for example, you're going to have periods where you know that the rush is coming. Mm-hmm. You've got a whole bunch of customers. You've got stuff to do. You have to either spend time prepping for the rush, dealing with the customers, or cleaning up afterwards. And that is your hourly window of productivity. After mm-hmm. the customers leave and everything's clean and everything's restocked and ready to go, you've got a period of nothing mm-hmm. until the next period. So I believe the same thing happens in an office culture. You mm-hmm. have periods of productivity usually driven by customer demand or seasonality or specifics to the business where at some point in an eight to five work day, right around three or three 30 things kind of slow down. And that was specific to California because at three o'clock the East coast shuts down, people go home. So from three to three 30, what you noticed was an immediate decrease in the amount of requests that you were having to deal with because it was the end of the day in New York or Florida or whatever. Conversely on the East coast, they don't do anything pretty much until 9am. And then Mm -hmm. from 9am to noon, it's a burn because at noon, that's when the West coast wakes up. So mm-hmm. after you come back from lunch from one to four, it's a burn because again, you're working within time zones within a single country. So to suggest that anybody anywhere can work a consistent eight hours, I think is, is lying to themselves. If it's a project where you have to work a set amount of work, say, say for example, it's a 50 hour project you could burn a 50 hour project in two days and be done and go on with your life. So if the work is there, then it doesn't really doesn't matter when you go to the office or when you clock in, Uh if the job itself requires availability for peak times, then really that's what we're talking about. Uh And I think at this point with the amount of behavioral analytics that we have, uh, like for example, you can, You can use an AI bot now to run your scheduling process because they know when the customers show up, Uh they know, at least in the retail environment, they know where the customers are. They know what the customers buy and they can say this many customers entered this department between these hours and the AI can program a schedule saying we need X associates in this department between these times. Uh The challenge that you run into is at some point that associate's got to go home. Right. So the concept of the eight hour workday, I think really worked well for a factory environment like this Henry Ford example, they're talking about for most other circumstances. I don't think it's tenable. Well, there's science. out. Yeah. No, I, I'm sorry to me to cut you off there, but I think there's, there's, we had professions in my prior role too called workforce managers. And these, these people come out um, and understand workflow inbound, outbound, uh, and really they're very powerful in things like call centers, right? There's nothing, they know that calls are going to come in at whatever rate for whatever reason. They can predict when releases happen that it's going to go up. They understand all those things and and the workforce related to it. Uh, Sticking in the aviation theme though, we've never treated humans like machines, but we should because we are. We're still machines that require maintenance. Mm -hmm. And in the airplane world, you can fly an airplane so many hours, but they realize very quickly if you want a safe airplane that you can fly it so many hours and go up and down so many times. 
uh, it's an or, it's not an ant. It can go this many hours or it can go up and down this many times. But either way, once it hits either one of those thresholds, you've got to put the plane down, you got to give it a few massages here and there and let it go back up again, which we haven't done that enough with people. Like, when do you have to take a person down to make us more efficient and not make sure we run off a runway? You know, we don't do that. And we should. What we end up doing is we blame that person for being a non-performer or we blame that person for, you know, not carrying their weight when really no one ever pays attention to anyone else but themselves until, you know, you're getting yelled at. Then you point at the person next to you and say, well, that person did that. But at the end of the day, we need to take a little bit more time, listen to these people, figure out what makes us better and use it though because we are machines we need to be fed fuel we need to have rest and we do have wear and tear and we will eventually become obsolete <laughs> so that's that's my my two cents on that i think that's a fascinating postulate i was thinking about what you said in terms of we know when peak productivity is and so we're basically paying people even in an office environment so there, there's retail there's the hourly worker who works retail and there is the white collar worker who works in an office there are specific industries where you know exactly what the work is and you're going to work all the way through it so a factory mm -hmm. is a conveyor belt it's a system that goes mm -hmm. you can probably work under the eight-hour model there uh, unless you get into the ideas of what the human endurance can handle. But in an office environment, let's say in the realm of knowledge workers, it's really availability. We want you for eight hours because anytime during that eight hours, we need you to perform on demand. And mm -hmm. there will be a time where you're not going to perform, where we'll find things for you to do. Similar to the plane. The plane's got ups and downs and the plane's got uh, what you were just saying. So the idea of if you know when you're peak hours of productivity are going to be, you should schedule for it. And so that mm -hmm. may end up being, if you're a, so let's do an easy one. If you're a restaurant, you know that from six to 10, you're going to have a rush. And you know that from 10 to 11, it's probably going to be dead. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, from 11 to two, you're going to have a rush. And then it's going to be dead until maybe five o'clock. And that's all based on where, you know, your customer is going to be. So does it make sense to schedule a, an employee from six to four? If you really don't need them after two o'clock. No, no. And I, and I also think that, it, we need to recognize those types of models you're bringing up. They also take the extra step. And, and, and anyone's been a waiter or waitress, they know this. They scheduled five people on the six to 10 rush. We know it's a rush. Well, guess what? Super Bowl's on tonight. They're not coming in. <laughs> so what do they do? They start saying, you can go home early. You can go home early. You can go home early. They don't do that in the office environment. You, you got to wait for five or six o'clock to come around. Right. They don't come around saying it's time to go home early. They should. They don't. So uh, you could take some cues from that. And, and I don't think the right model for the entire country, for the workforce of America, or any country for that matter, is to model it after an assembly line. 
that's that's not how true workflow actually works out there. So, and it's a shame that that's what we've we've modeled it after. No, it's a hundred percent. An assembly line is repetitive work with a continuing supply chain to increase output and produce a final product. Regular work comes and goes in waves. So I think you nailed it. So the idea of a five-hour work week is probably more along the lines of what human stamina can handle. Uh, at some point in the eight to five model, right around three o'clock, everybody's looking for coffee, right? Mm-hmm. People start wanting to take a nap. Um, I'm reminded of my, my old European colleagues who I'm still very fond of. They'll work from nine to one. They'll take a two-hour siesta. And at one o'clock, they'll come back and they'll work till six or eight o'clock at night because they're going to go home for two hours and then party from 10 till one in the morning. And that is a standard Spanish, Italian, Southern French lifestyle of let's take a two-hour lunch. Let's start late. Let's end late. And that's you laugh at it as an American because it's like, oh, they're lazy. All they do is party. But for real, when you look at it scientifically, it's it really goes along with the biorhythm of how humans work. Now, mm-hmm. you could say that waking up when the sun does, which I think is also true of biological rhythm. If you were to think about if you could adjust an American way of life to let's start our day at nine. Let's take a two hour lunch. Let's work late. And then let's give ourselves the evening. I'm really hard pressed to say that's, that's the way we are. That's that like, how how can you say that's not going to work? Because in an eight hour environment, I got two examples that I can say for this segment before we wrap it up. One as an American right around three or three 30, you crash. And if you go in the break room at any American company between the hours of three and four, you're going to find somebody brewing coffee. Why is Mm -hmm. that? Because they're physically dead. They have no energy whatsoever. They're trying to pump themselves up to finish the day. So you've got your six hours in crash. It's done. If you think about the European model, right around that early afternoon time, they're all taking a siesta. And in most cases they go eat a big lunch and they take a nap. Well, Before the invention of artificial light, that's how they did it. They took a nap in the middle of the day. They worked until they ran out of light. They woke up in the middle of the night and they did stuff. And the science dictates there's a four and four nightly ritual around Ben Franklin's time that was completely Hmm. abolished once Henry Ford came along. So if you look at how the species operated, it was the sun and the dark. And there was a big break in how we manage time. So the concept of an eight-hour day probably is based on Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, which was a social commentary on meatpacking and and workers' rights. Uh, I'm not going to get into that part of the argument because that's that's a ball of snakes, and I don't want to deal with that for this particular discussion. But if you can't get it done in six hours... What percentage of jobs on this planet does that extra two hours matter? Yeah. And as a society, are we ever going to step up and say, we really are here to live, to work, to live, not live, to work? 
And we need to figure that out because the balance has become woefully out of whack. And by the way, we have a bunch of people looking for work. <laughs> you know, can we can we find a way to make it so that hey, everyone gets to work and everyone gets to rest? I, I think I think we're set up for that equation if we would just admit it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's good well, point. this horse has been thoroughly kicked. That's a good point. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>